seconds worth of distance run. Yours is the earth and everything that's in it. And, which is more, you'll be a man, my son. I didn't want the earth or everything in it, and I didn't think Joni would want me to be the kind of man Kipling was telling me to be. But I thought, if this poem was important to Joni, then I would figure out why. A half hour late, perfectly on time, a hand studded with more jewelry than I could fully take in reached out to me. I'm Joni, she said. I know, I replied. Be cool, just listen, and breathe, and listen some more. None of the wines at La Scala Presto pleased her. She tasted each one. None was smooth enough to suit. Much more to her liking was a 1998 Chateau Margaux she pulled out of a case later at home. She was giddy about the album and ready to unleash what she calls a verbal cauldron. We talked about Miles Davis, about how she was introduced to him by Joni's drummer boyfriend, Don Elias, who had played on Bitches Brew, and about how Miles once made a play for her, then passed out with a death-like grasp on her ankles. She had always dreamed of collaborating with him, she said, and it was reported to her that he owned all of her albums that had been released up to his death. She loved Duke Ellington, disliked Coltrane, but she so loved Kind of Blue that she even liked Coltrane on it. And Debussy, which she pronounced Debussy. When she heard La Mer, she saw the sea. Of course, we talked about the ballet and the new songs, which no civilian had heard yet. We talked about environmental apocalypse, about the Indian chiefs with their old beliefs, about the stupidity of Western medicine. I'm mad at Socrates, she said at one point. We talked about our shared love of the films of the Serbian director Amir Kusturica, about how she missed the conversations in New York City, about how she loved Dylan's Positively Fourth Street and Mr. Tambourine Man and Blood on the Tracks, the New York sessions, not the Minnesota, but that she thought Desire was just okay and that Modern Times, which had just been released and had hit number one, was a work of plagiarism. You can't rule Bob out, though, she said. He and Leonard are the best pace runners I've got. Then she slammed Cohen's line from Master Song, Your Thighs Are Ruined, as cruel to an older woman, and declared that even though he walked the walk and had become an ordained Buddhist monk, he was a phony Buddhist. And yet, as hostile as some of this might look in print, it was all delivered with a joie de vivre. She loved to be provocative. She loved to be what she called a pot stirrer. She was trouble, and she was really good at it. We closed the place down. The caravan continued to her house. There was a talking security system at the gate. I looked at her stack of books and noticed Simon Shaman's Rembrandt's eyes. Of course, I thought. She's the great Renaissance portrait artist in song. They go for every nuance, the chiaroscuro of human emotion, the overtones beneath the chords, the resonance of existence. She was sleeping by day, chain-smoking, and creating by night. It seemed like we could have talked forever, and by talking, I mean she did the talking and I did the listening. Even though she is known for her introspective brooding, comparing herself with Job and the Sire of Sorrow, and singing lines like acid, booze, and ass, needles, guns, and grass, lots of laughs, she actually does like to have lots of laughs. A devastating mimic and raconteur, she can serve up Dorothy Parker like zingers with terrifying speed. After twelve hours of Joni, up all night, my sense of reality had been permanently altered. On the flight home, I, I wanted to somehow keep the experience going, and I started listening to Hijira. The voice I heard was different. In the 1976 recording, I could hear her Saskatchewan cadences, her joys and her sorrows, and everything in between. During the week that followed, our conversation continued on the phone, and then my piece about her was published, and there were things about it that felt to her like an invasion, a betrayal. I got bitched out by Joni Mitchell. She was a maestro, hurling one indignity at me after another.
She loathed the picture the Times had chosen, and there was one phrase in particular that made her gorge rise. Middle class. That was the adjective I had used to describe her home. It struck a chord, and not a chromatic one, through the heart of the author of the boho dance, the art school dropout for whom there could be nothing worse than to be bourgeois. I don't know what you think of as middle class, but I live in a mansion. My property has many rooms. I have Renaissance antiques. I meant that's your home, at least what I saw of it. wasn't intimidating. It was inviting. It was earthy. Yes, that's true. You were in the earthy section of my property. Yes, earthy. I should have said earthy. If I could substitute the word now, I would. She was so disappointed in me. She had thought I was different, somehow better than the others. Now I was the worst. Years passed. One night, I had a delightful time out with a friend of hers, a sculptor who inspired her song, Good Friends, from Dog Eat Dog.